Welcome to the GMAT Strategy Podcast. You're here because you believe there's a better way to study for the GMAT, and so do we. We created the GMAT Strategy to maximize your results and minimize your efforts so you can get to the fun parts about business school and life as quickly as possible. My name is Isaac Puglia, and I've been teaching GMAT classes and tutoring privately for the GMAT for almost a decade, and I've achieved a 99th percentile score on the GMAT and helped thousands of students get into the business school's of their choice. I'm excited to be a part of your MBA journey since we all at TGS think our world can benefit from the best possible business leaders that we can find. If this show is bringing you value, please share it with your friends and family who are studying so that together we can make this process as easy and as painless as it can possibly be. Let's go. Let's talk about the at-home or online GMAT. Quick update, it's 2022 right now, and I just want you to know that all the information in the podcast, as far as we can tell on our end, is completely up to date. If you find anything that is not up to date, please reach out to us at the GMAT Strategy on current social channels. Right now, that's at the GMAT Strategy on Instagram, slash the GMAT Strategy on Facebook, and slash the GMAT Strategy on Reddit. And if we find anything that's not totally up to date, we'll update it for you because we're really committed to keeping the podcast fresh, even though, as you can see, some of the upload dates on some of these episodes are still one, two, maybe several years old. And that's because the information in them is still current as of today. And, and you'll hear more updates as, as we move forward, okay? But reach out to us if you find anything that you feel is not up to date. Or reach out to us with any questions. We love hearing from you. And as of now, we're still keeping up with DMs and emails. And we haven't gotten overwhelmed yet. <laughs> um, so what's the story with the, the GMAT online? So when it first came out, it was the height of the... COVID-19 pandemic, and in-person GMATs were actually not available at all. So the GMAT online was a huge blessing. Having said that, the format of the exam was extremely different than the in-person exam. It had a, a different break structure, different timeline. There was actually no essay on the online GMAT, and all that's changed relatively recently. So I've been waiting to update this podcast episode until we got some solidity with the online GMAT, but relatively recently it was announced that the online GMAT is here to stay, and so now's the time to update the podcast and give you all the current information. So it used to be that you could only take the at-home or online GMAT one time, and then they upgraded that to two times as the pandemic wore on, and it became clear that it wasn't going to end anytime soon. And now that the at-home GMAT is a permanent fixture of our current situation, it warrants some additional explanation and now counts toward your lifetime limit of eight tests. So when it initially was launched, it was kind of like its own separate thing away from the in-person official GMAT, and it didn't count toward your lifetime limit of, of eight official exams, but now it does count toward that lifetime limit of eight, and there's also a limit of five in a 12-month period. So if you were planning to take the exam every month for the entire year, you're not going to be able to do that. I uh, hate to give bad news if you were planning for that, but I think it makes sense in the spirit of fairness that there is a limit to the number of times that the test can be taken. 
Now, why is that important? Well, now you can actually have all eight of your temps be at home, and that's probably good for everybody because some of us just need that flexibility or it's just much, much better for our performance to take the exam in an environment that's familiar to us rather than a test center environment. And so it's really, really nice that you have more than just two attempts because, as I've said in previous episodes, most people are going to need to take the test two, maybe three times on average. And you can definitely study super, super hard and commit to taking it only once and and knock it out of the park. People do that all the time, but that is harder to do because there are definitely performance variables that can be outside of our control when it comes to picking a date that's several weeks in advance and saying, okay, I'm definitely going to have my peak performance on that day at that time. So all that's to say, we're happy that the online GMAT is here to stay, and it's a great option. Having said that, I want to get into some basics of the exam and a few recommendations so that you're set up for success if you're considering this as an option, or if you're on the fence, uh, also hopefully help you make a great decision. So one interesting facet that's worth mentioning at the top of the episode before we get into the nitty gritty of the online GMAT itself is that as of now, which is February of 2022, there's no waiting period between taking an exam in person and taking an exam online. Why does that matter? Well, if you were to take the exam in person and then you wanted to retake the exam in person, you would have to wait at least 16 calendar days to do that. And the reason for that waiting period is the question writers need time to refresh the question pool so that you don't see repeat questions every time you go in to take the test. If you did see repeat questions, then the best strategy would be take the exam eight times, eight days in a row after preparing. And then by that eighth day, you're seeing, who knows, maybe 20% questions that you've already seen before. And that could really inflate your score. So again, in the spirit of fairness, I guess in the strictest sense, nobody wants that to happen. um, Unless, of course, you're thinking very deviously. (laughs) Um, But why does that matter for the online GMAT? Well, if you're in a really, really tight spot, and you end up taking the in-person or, or online GMAT close to the application deadline for your school, and the test doesn't go particularly well, you still do have a last-ditch, worst-case scenario option to, if you took the exam online, you can take the in-person exam the next day or even several hours later on the same day, um, and vice versa. If you took the exam in-person, then you could take the online exam just several days later. So, Perhaps, obviously, that's not a great situation to be in. I don't recommend optimizing for that situation, but it's nice to know that you do have an ace in your back pocket just in case things come into that worst-case scenario. So um, what's the recommendation here as far as online GMAT versus in-person GMAT goes? When the exam first came out and I first published this episode, which was mid-COVID, I actually didn't think the online exam was a very good option. And I went all the way to the extent of recommending that people actually take the GRE instead of the GMAT rather than taking the online GMAT. And as we go through the specifics of the exam, I'll talk more about why I made that recommendation. But now it's actually a very, very good option. And the test has become a lot more user-friendly. You can choose the section order the same way that you can choose it in person. And if you didn't know about that, there's actually three different orders you can take the exam in. You can take the essay and integrated reasoning section first and then take quant and verbal afterwards. Um, You can take the quant section first, followed by the verbal section, and then take IR and essay at the end of the exam. And you can also take verbal first and then take quant and then do IR and essay at the end of the exam. If you're looking for a quick recommendation on that and you haven't listened to some of the other episodes where I discuss this, the best recommendation I can give is do either the quant section or the verbal section first because those are going to be the main sections that drive your admission to business school. The essay is somewhat important. I'd go into depth with that in the, in the essay 
uh, episode of the podcast, which I think is like episode two or three. If you haven't listened to that, definitely recommend it. That'll set you up for success uh, well there. And then I also talk about the relative importance of integrated reasoning in the integrated reasoning episode, which I think is maybe episode five or six or something like that. Uh, Both worth listening to. But just a quick shot here so that you're not running around the episodes. Um, The IR section is moderately important as of today, and its importance will grow slightly year over year, probably for the next five to ten years or so until it becomes potentially equally important to the quanta and verbal sections. Right now it's of medium importance, and part of the reason for that is that the score is not a huge driver of admission the way the quanta and verbal scores are. Uh, On the integrated reasoning section, it's really just a small plus if you get a high score, like a seven or an eight out of eight. And it's kind of neutral if you're in the, let's say, five to six range. And if you're below five, it's like a small minus, but it's probably not going to be a deal breaker unless you're applying like super top 10 schools, let's say top, top five, top 10. Uh, If you got a five or lower, that could definitely be a small minus. If you're below five, it's probably almost worth retaking the exam. In fact, I generally recommend that people retake if they have a low IR. So just do your diligence and prepare for the IR section. We're talking for most people, maybe three to six hours of prep because there's no new content in the integrated reasoning section. It's only for new question format. The essay is even less important because that's really just there to make sure that you're probably the person who wrote your application essays. And honestly, if you can graduate from university and become the type of person who's thinking about going to graduate school, then you're going to do absolutely fine when it comes to the the GMAT essay. And you can get an entire template that'll help you get the best score that you're capable of, or really any score that you want by listening to that episode. So sorry for the diversion, but I don't want to leave you hanging if you haven't listened to those episodes and you're really curious about the online GMAT and you're just getting going with this. So Why is it good to have those section orders? Well, when the online GMAT first came out, you could only take it in one order, and it was quant first, no break before the verbal section, which was a huge pain in the neck, and then there was a five-minute break, and then only integrated reasoning at the end with no essay. And part of the reason I recommended that people not take the online GMAT as a result of that is people's verbal scores were really suffering from that, because if you do a whole quant section, you're fairly exhausted from that. It's very intense. And then all of a sudden, with no break and no chance to replenish your brain's glucose supply, no chance to take a deep breath, it's like, bam, now we're going into the second most important section of the exam. And if you were weak on verbal to begin with, that probably really hurt your performance and probably really hurt your morale and, of course, hurt your chances of going to business school. So that was part of the reason that I wasn't recommending that people take the online GMAT really at all when it first came out. And then they steadily updated it to become more user-friendly. And now that we're up to today's at-home GMAT, it's quite user-friendly and you can do any of those three section orders, which makes it a much more viable option because now if you take quant first, you get an optional eight minute break right before the verbal section, which you should definitely, definitely take in my opinion. And if you take verbal first, you'll get an optional eight minute break before the quant section. So even that might seem like a small change, but if you've taken practice tests or if you've taken official exams before, you know that eight minute break is uh, is really, really big for your mental energy and also just recovering from the psychological aspects of the exam because the algorithm is so intense and you're facing such hard questions the entire time if you're doing well uh, that it feels much harder for most people than a regular test. And if if you're not sure how the algorithm works or you want a little bit more instruction on that, that's um, really to the point, then you can check out my free video on my website thegmatstrategy.com, which I link to at the end of every episode, and that'll that'll show you how the algorithm works uh, enough to start to take advantage of it, or at least not be a victim of it. And then, of course, if you want more help dialing in your personal strategy for the algorithm, then we have paid op- options you can use. But we're really committed with with TGS to bringing 
high quality education as low cost and free as we possibly can. That doesn't mean we're not going to offer high ticket products because there's a time and, and a place for that so that we can devote tons of time to, to you if you do want to work with us on that high level. Having said that, we really want to expand our free content offerings and hopefully me making this podcast for you and updating it for you right now is, is proof enough of that commitment. Um, so definitely check that video out even if you don't plan to spend any money, money with us because I know it can help you a ton and uh, we really just want to make sure that you get into business school whether you want to pay us to help you with that or not. Okay. Um, so that's that. just to reiterate that that's a massive change to the online GMAT that you can now t- change your section order and take regulation breaks because that's a huge part of performing your best. So all that is to say, like, now the online GMAT is probably actually representative of your true abilities. And part of the reason I had such a strong recommendation against it before is I really didn't think that it was going to be an accurate reflection of the studies you've put in. And that would really hamstring your chances of going to business school. And let's face it, that's just not really that fair, because if you've studied and prepared for one thing, and then all of a sudden you're being tested in a different environment or in a different format... That's probably going to throw most people off at least 20 or 30 points. And yeah, maybe that's not a game changer for you personally, but the difference between a 650 and a 680 could mean the difference between getting into a Harvard or not getting into a Harvard. And we don't need to discuss how important getting into Harvard or not getting into Harvard could be to anyone's individual career. You know that. That's why you're here in the first place, okay? So that's a big change, and it really matters, and it makes the online GMAT a much uh, more favorable option than, than it was when it came out. Um, having said all that, <laughs> having said all that, I still do recommend, if you're on the fence, I recommend taking the exam in person if it's basically the same experience to you personally as taking the exam at home. If for some reason in your personal situation there's a massive, massive upside to taking the exam at home, such as a health issue or a traveling issue or a rest issue or a stress issue, like you just know, you just know you're going to perform better at home, okay, definitely take the online GMAT. But if you're somewhere in the middle and you think you're probably going to have an equal performance regardless of environment, I definitely recommend taking it in person. Why is that? There's a significantly lower likelihood that you're going to have a tech issue if you take the exam in person versus online. And I'll get way more into the details of that as I get into the nitty gritty details of what the online GMAT actually is and what some of the requirements are, etc. But for now, if you're just looking for the quick recommendation off the top... Take it in person because there's probably like a 1% likelihood of a tech issue in person that would cause you to have to cancel your score or reschedule the exam. It's very, very unlikely that something like that's going to go out. So we're talking about like power outage where the the whole in-person test center loses power and you cannot take the exam. Uh, We're talking about like a significant tech issue where like your computer terminal just glitches out and it's literally impossible for you to take the test then you would have that performance canceled and you would get a voucher to go back and take the test at a later date. With the online GMAT, we're talking probably like a 30% likelihood of a tech issue. And that's just based on observing Reddit for years now at this point of people reporting tech issues and also observing my students, which I'm still actively working with hundreds and thousands of people a year at this point. And and if we count the people in the podcast, it's it's tens of thousands. Um, And I get, I get a lot of information. I get a lot of data back from the market. And I hear about a lot of significant tech issues on the, the at-home GMAT. So when we get into the specifics of like the proctor watching you and sometimes the proctor can chat you and interrupt your exam, like it's probably not going to happen. Like probably at least 50 to 70% chance that you're going to have a smooth experience with the online GMAT. 
But if it's all the same to you, I recommend doing it in person because let's be honest, none of us want to confront a significant tech issue when we're in such a stressful situation and there's so much on the line. So I'm not saying don't take the online GMAT because of the tech thing. I'm saying that you should think about that. And especially if you're on the fence, I strongly recommend going with in person. You'll probably get a better performance out of yourself. And at the end of the day, that's really why we're here. And that's really why TGS exists, is to help you get the best performance possible with the least amount of time and effort. So I think the in-person exam is a be the best bet for most of us with that commitment in mind. Um, I think overall, again, I'll just reiterate, it's very good that we have this option permanently, and it does allow us to address a lot of situations that we weren't able to address before, like if you live in a very remote area. Um, and I was going to leave the original episode intact because there was a lot of great advice in there, but it turns out that the new exam is just so different from the old exam that I didn't want to give any information that was confusing or conflicting. And so I'm just going to do it from scratch right now for you. So here's a rundown of all the basics of the at-home, aka online GMAT exam. So... Uh, first things first, I have linked an article in the description of this episode so that you can see the details of the room requirements. There are fairly strict requirements of the type of room that you can be in and what you can and cannot have in that room with you, both during the exam and like slightly before and slightly after as you're like checking in and checking out of the exam. Same thing with your desk. You can, you can have some things on your desk, but you cannot have other things. And just so I'm not giving outdated information, I'm just going to link the article. And, and if for some reason we, we uh, miss that link or that link gets changed and it's a couple days before we can update it in the worst case scenario, then just web search at home or online GMAT and find the source article on mba.com where they list the room requirements. Just do yourself a favor and read through those and make sure that your room is compliant before you book your exam date so that you know what to expect. Um, good, good news, you can take the exam 24-7 still. That's really nice and very convenient depending on time zones and travel and different unique schedules that all of us have. Previously, it was impossible to do that with the in-person exam. You could only take it, I think, 8 to 5, and there was only one weekend spot depending on the physical area you were in. So the online GMAT gives us much more flexibility in terms of scheduling, which is really, really nice, and we really appreciate it. Uh, you can also use accommodations now, which is really great. When it first was introduced, they were a little slow on the uptake to help out people who have major learning differences and who have been granted accommodations because of doctor's prescriptions and uh, psychoanalyses and et, et cetera. And that's really good because all of that stuff is there to level the playing field for people who otherwise would at, would be at a significant disadvantage with the exam. And if you're in that boat, then then hopefully you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you can reach out to us if you have questions about how you should approach that if you're in a specific or unique situation because we help people all the time who uh, are just wired differently. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean you're not going to get a great result on the exam. It might just mean that your approach should be at least slightly tweaked, if not uh, majorly tweaked for your specific situation. And that's pretty much what we do with TGS. Uh, so you are going to have a live proctor watching you throughout the exam on a webcam. It can be a little bit weird to get used to, but um, it's actually not that different from the, the in-person exam. Because in the in-person exam, you're in a room and there's a proctor with this giant plexiglass wall basically like looking in on you. It's a, a little bit weird, a little bit dehumanizing. I'm not going to lie. It's not my favorite way to spend a Saturday morning feeling a little bit uh, like a rat in a cage. But um, it's important. Let's let's be real. Uh, it's, it's just one of the things that we do to accelerate our careers and, and get into business school. And let's be real, it's it's more than worth it. But it can be a little bit weird. So just expect that. Expect the the proctor to to be there. And um, 
for some people, I've actually heard a way that they can hide the, the Proctor's video feed, and then other people I, I've heard have not been able to do that. And um, that might just depend on your operating system or, or the specific Proctor you have. So I'm not going to make any promises on that. I would say for now, just plan for the worst and hope for the best, which is that your Proctor isn't going to be all up in your face while you're taking the test. And just to be clear, the video doesn't absorb enough of the screen that it would hamper your performance unless the Proctor chats you. The Proctor can chat you, and that can soak up the entire screen real estate. So more on that later. That's really just one of the tech issues I was talking about that could happen. Having said that, that's maybe not that different than the proctor interrupting you in person if there's a significant issue at the test center. Having said that, <laughs> there's less likelihood of that happening in person versus it happening online. Now, as far as I know, they will video your test performance so that it can be reviewed later just in case there's an issue. And that might sound weird, but you actually want that because if there is a tech issue and they do review the footage and it turns out you were not breaking the rules, now you get a free exam. So, so that's nice. It's actually good for everybody. So don't stress about that. Um, at the end of the day, again, that's just one more way that the online exam is almost the same as the in-person exam now. It might sound weird to be watched on a webcam, but it's, it's the exact same thing as ever taking the exam in person. Now, if there is a verified technical disruption and uh, they will decide what that is, then you can get a free GMAT. And that's basically similar to the real world like I was talking about. Power outage, you get a free GMAT. Um, Proctor cancels your exam accidentally on the online GMAT, free GMAT, okay? If, if they rule in your favor, it's all good. Having said that, uh, if they don't rule in your favor, then you don't get your money back and you have to reschedule the exam and that can be a real pain in the neck. And like I said, probably like a 30% chance that that's going to happen. So we are gambling a tiny bit with the online exam in the sense that score might get canceled and we might have been having a really great performance and then we got to show up and do it another day. And there's plenty of horror stories on, on forums and online if you're really, really interested in catching up with people. Um, but for now, I would say if you're really leaning toward the online GMAT, don't sweat it too much. Like I said, 70% chance everything's going to be fine and dandy. Um, operating system is pretty universal. Haven't heard of any significant tech issues as a result of being on a, a Windows-based machine or Linux-based machine or a Mac OS-based machine. Um, what you'll do is when you register for the exam, there'll be a diagnostic program that you can run on your computer, and uh, you'll definitely want to do that just to make sure that your computer is meeting all the tech requirements before you get, let's say, within a week or two of your exam. Because if you have to address any tech issues, such as renting a, or borrowing another person's computer to do the exam on, you want to be way out ahead of that, and you don't want to be doing that 24 hours before your exam. That's probably going to be super stressful. Now, another big deal is you're not allowed to have anything in your ear during the online GMAT. You can't have anything covering your ears. Um, so if you have like religious garb that you wear on a regular basis, that could potentially be an issue for you because you might be a little bit out of your comfort zone. Um, if you have a very loud environment at your house, that could work against you as well because you can't have earplugs because people can make earplugs look all kinds of ways and then they could have someone uh, helping them cheat during the exam. And that's that's obviously a huge deal on the online GMAT. And so they don't allow that. But on the at the in-person GMAT, some test centers actually have earplugs there for you. So if you've been practicing with earplugs or you know you're going to want that, in-person exam is a better bet. Same thing with uh, over-the-ear headphones. Last time I took the official exam in person, which was in the uh, California, San Francisco Bay Area, uh, the test center I went to actually had over-the-ear headphones, which is nice. I don't know that all test centers have that, but I used those and the earplugs, and it was fantastic because when I first took the exam, somewhat of, somewhat of a pain, the person next to me was taking the CBEST, which is a test you take to become a substitute teacher in public schools. 
And that essay, uh, that test, I think, is entirely essay. So this person next to me was typing on this like 1990s, really chunky, loud keyboard the entire time during my GMAT. And it was distracting for sure. So that's how I learned the, uh, the earplug move. Um, perhaps, obviously, if you're taking the exam at home, hopefully you'll have more control over your environment than I had in the in-person exam. Uh, but just know that you're not going to be able to use those earplugs. And that could be a significant thing in terms of your performance. Um, you, as far as I know, but this could be updated as well, so I'm just going to give you the current information that I know about the tech requirements, is that you can't have any external devices connected. So no touch screens, no writing tablets, uh, all the scratch work that you do has to be separate. And when the exam first launched, there was this, honestly, in my opinion, absolutely awful online whiteboard that seriously hampered pretty much everyone's performance who took it. It was fine for the verbal section because you could type, and some people are faster typers than writers. But for the math section, I felt it was utterly atrocious and was part of the reason I didn't recommend taking it. But then they eventually updated it so that you could use a physical whiteboard. And you're definitely going to want to do some research on the whiteboard requirements, which as of today, I believe just have to be less than 12 by 20 inches. So it's got to be relatively small and it's got to be able to fit on the desk with you. Um, you're going to want that because scratch work is a massive, massive deal. If you've been following the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I'm a huge, huge proponent of quality scratch work and particularly on the math side, but honestly, it's, it's both sections, math, verbal, IR, even the essay. Uh, I recommend writing everything down when you're brainstorming. And that's something that I've just seen time and time again after basically 20 years of helping people with standardized tests. Uh, almost without fail, the more you write down, the better you're going to do. Of course, there's a limit to that. And you want to search for that sweet spot for yourself. Um, but I trust you if you've been studying for any length of time to, to find that balance. Um, but with the online whiteboard, it was really encouraging people not to use quality scratch work. And again, I just felt that that meant that people's scores weren't actually representative of their true abilities. And that's the opposite of what we want. If anything, we want our true abilities or even better. And so now that you have a physical whiteboard, that's cool. Now, there is a difference between the whiteboard that you can have for the at-home exam and the one that you get when you take it in person. So for the at-home exam, it's just a single whiteboard surface, one eraser, two, two fine-tip dry erase pens, I think, are allowed. And you're going to have to be doing a lot of erasing. So you're probably going to have to erase every four problems, maybe every problem if you have really big handwriting. And that can soak up, a, soak up a little bit of time and energy. Again, not like a huge, huge deal, but definitely tips the balance in favor of the in-person exam where you get a laminated scratch booklet that's spiral bound and uh, the pages are slightly longer than eight and a half by 11. There's graph paper on them and uh, you have 10 sheets front and back. So that means basically no erasing. You can only have one of the booklets at a time, but you can get as many as you want. So in that sense, you have basically unlimited scratch paper when you take it in person. And technically you have unlimited scratch paper at home, but you do have to do a lot of erasing. So that's something to keep in mind if you uh, are left-handed and somehow that affects the, the logistics of your environment and you're gonna be smearing a lot, you might wanna consider use, uh, doing in-person rather than online. Um, but again, it's, it's not a huge, huge deal, just slightly tips the favor in, uh, slightly tips the scale in favor of the in-person GMAT, like I've said, and all those little like one to 5% things that tip in favor of the in-person GMAT, I think just make it overall the best recommendation that I can make. Um, there is this AI software that's listening to your environment and watching on the video feed to make sure that there aren't other people walking and talking in your environment who might be able to help you cheat or something like that. And you might have to pause the exam and pan your camera around the room if the AI software alerts the proctor that something fishy might be going on in your environment to make sure that you're not cheating and nobody's there. And that's just 
pretty much never going to be an issue with an in-person GMAT. So again, probably not going to happen to you during the online exam, but it could happen. And that could mean a minute or two taken away from your section. And a minute or two taken away from your section is not the end of the world if you have a good timing strategy. But let's be honest, it's not ideal. So it's just something to think about. Um, if you do break the test rules, like I said, they can cancel your score immediately and give no refund. And that definitely increases the odds of a tech issue having a significant effect on your performance. But like I said, if they review the video and it's a verified tech issue, you can get a voucher for a, a free retake. But let's be honest, man, that still is kind of a bummer to burn two, maybe three hours taking the test and then have it be canceled. So again, strongly recommend you take it in person if you can. Now, Couple notes in favor of the online exam. Internet connection doesn't have to be perfect because there is some preloading and some redundancy in the software that you're going to download that's going to serve the exam for you. It's this lockdown browser, so you can't access anything else on your computer while you're taking the test. If, you're, if you've been a student over the past 12 months, you've probably taken a test like that. If it's been a long time since you've taken a school test, it'll, get a, it'll take a little bit of getting used to, but it's honestly no big deal. I haven't heard tons of complaints about the browser itself. It seems to be relatively solid. Uh, but again, you can get on the forums and ask people if you're really, really worried about your specific tech situation and setup. I think it's nice that there's some redundancy there. So even if your internet connection is somewhat weak, you can still get a productive exam take out of the online exam, which is nice. Um, it is more likely, though, that, uh, that your score can be canceled based on factors that are out of your control or that are hard to control with the online exam. And that's why I said up to 30%, maybe even larger percentage of a significant tech issue that could really disrupt your performance. So just keep that in mind if you're on the fence. Again, uh, or sorry, additionally, you cannot be out of the field of view of the camera unless it's during an official break during the test. So that's a little bit more strict than the real GMAT during which you can actually get up and take a break during the exam if you absolutely have to. I don't recommend that because then you're burning valuable section time. You can't stop the section timer, get up in the middle of the quant section and take a break in the in-person exam, unless you have super special accommodations, which are quite rare. Um, but you could actually do that if something came up or if you have a strategy of taking deep breath and you know taking six paces around the room in between questions at a certain point in the test because you get stressed out. Like You could theoretically do that in the in-person exam, as long as you talk to the proctor about it in, in advance. But during the at-home GMAT, you would immediately be canceled for doing that. So uh, just something to think about, if, if again, if you're trying to make a good decision. You can't have water on a clear glass on the table when you're taking the online exam, though. And that's nice because I don't think they officially allowed food and drink in the in-person GMAT. Having said that, uh, I've never seen someone be denied for having water in the actual in-person GMAT. But just FYI, I believe it is against the rules. You can check me on that if you're not sure. Um, but don't spend 30 minutes researching that on the internet. Everybody focus on the stuff that matters, your skills. <laughs> um, yeah, so I already talked about the format, uh, same number of questions, same timing, same scoring algorithm as the in-person exam. And you are supposed to be able to see your scores right away at the end. But one, uh, potential downside of the online exam is they can delay sending your scores. And that can be a huge, huge bummer if you're up against a very tight deadline. I strongly recommend taking the exam in person if you can, because you're definitely going to get your unofficial scores immediately after the in-person exam. And uh, there's not going to be any video review period that has to happen there in case there was something fishy going on. And uh, you're going to get your official scores within the promised time frame. The online exam, there have been delays with official score reports. Sometimes it's up to 21 days. I've seen people wait even longer than that because they just get backed up. And so if you have a lot of lead time, probably not going to be a big deal for you personally. But it can definitely affect your decision to retake or your decision to stop studying or your decision to move on to 
your applications. And so hopefully I have now justified my recommendation of recommending it, taking it in person in most cases. Again, I do just want to say it is a great option if you really need it or if taking it in person you feel is really going to be a bad bet for you. I already talked about how there's no waiting period. I talked about the digital whiteboard that used to be a real pain in the neck. Uh, I also talked about how now it's pretty much the same story as taking the GMAT in person when it comes to canceling, when it comes to keeping, when it comes to reporting. Uh, if you're worried about canceling, just the, the main thing with that is don't stress about it. Only cancel if you're 100 points uh, off or more from your, low, from your goal score or if your exam that you're taking is lower than your previous score uh, because schools just want to see a high score eventually. So, so please don't stress about canceling or keeping. It's, it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, the pricing of the exam is somewhat interesting now. It's based on regions. So go on, go on the website or do a, a web search of GMAT online or at-home GMAT and find the registration and pricing page on mba.com for the online exam. And there's a drop-down menu where you can choose your country. I just thumbed through a few of them for you. So like, for example, if, if you're taking the exam in Afghanistan, it's going to be $250 US dollars. If you're taking the exam in the United States, it's $275 US dollars. So just something to think about. Not a huge deal for most of us, especially against the cost, against the cost of our MBAs. Um, but it's, it's just something to be prepared for and you definitely want to check your region there because some of the cancellation and reinstatement fees change from region to region as well. Now that, uh, $275 price tag includes five school score reports, just like the in-person exam. So that's now aligned. Um, and you can pay to send to more schools later if you want to. Uh, but that, that really only applies if you're applying to more than five schools. Uh, when it comes to canceling, you have 72 hours to cancel, just like the in-person exam, you have 72 hours to cancel if you, if you accepted your score at the test center, but then realize later that you want to cancel it. Or if they send you your official scores later on, like they can do on the online GMAT, if they send your official scores later on, you have 72 hours to cancel. If you cancel, you have four years and 11 months to reinstate. That's exactly the same as the in-person GMAT. So like I said, really only two situations in which you would cancel. Otherwise I wouldn't really stress about that. Just keep studying, get a high score eventually and your business schools are going to be happy. Um, I already said I used to recommend not taking it at all, but now it's a great option. And uh, I already talked about the risk factors, and um, we already talked about how it was a really great at the beginning of COVID that we had any options to take. And I used to recommend taking the at-home GRE instead because the online GMAT was so bad. So if any of the things that I've talked to you about today are just like a deal breaker for you, and you can't take the exam in person for whatever reason, or that's just not going to be a good bet, then definitely explore the online GRE which is somewhat different but similar enough to the GMAT that you can still get a great performance out of yourself if you do need to switch. I have an episode on the differences between the GRE and GMAT, so definitely check that out if you're considering taking the GRE. Uh, but I still stand by my recommendation that if you're going to business school, I recommend studying for the GMAT because the skills that you'll learn as a decision maker and a resource manager on the GMAT will help you much more in business school and beyond than the skills that you'll learn for, for the GRE. But a lot of my students are just trying to get into business school with the easiest thing, GRE, GMAT, pretty much the same in the eyes of pretty much every school. So totally understand if you end up going the GRE route. Um, just want to make sure I'm being really thorough with my notes here, everybody. I think I covered everything that you need. So again, it's really nice that they did this. It was really rough when it launched. Now it's more refined and it is a very, very good option. Just consider all the things that I said and you can tell I have a strong bias for the in-person exam, but hopefully I've given you at least rational, if not compelling reasons, why I, I have that recommendation. Having said that, the online GMAT is a way, 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 way better option than it was when it first came out, and we should all be extremely grateful for that. 
As always, if you have questions about any of this, reach out to us on Instagram at the GMAT strategy, Facebook slash the GMAT strategy, or Reddit slash the GMAT strategy. We're still keeping up with DMs. If we somehow missed your DM over the years or we missed your email, we are unbelievably, incredibly sorry. Please reach out to us again because we love hearing from you, like I said, and uh, we're making a great push to be more extremely high value with the free content that we're offering all of you and also updating our paid options on a regular basis if you want to work directly with us on a higher level. But of course, that's optional to you, as I've said in many other episodes. Um, if you're interested in our current offers, you can you can check those out at thegmatstrategy.com. In fact, in line with that commitment of bringing the highest quality and most impactful free content that we can, I just created a survey. You can find it on our website, thegmatstrategy.com, or there's also a link in the description of this episode of this podcast. And in that survey, you can really help us out by letting you know, letting us know what has worked well for you in your GMAT prep so far, what's not going so well for you, and what you would like to see in future free trainings, whether that be video, podcast, or whatever future metaverse format we evolve into. So please, please do us a favor and fill out the survey if you have a few minutes and you want to contribute both to your own knowledge and your own absorption of the highest value free content and to everybody else whom we are definitely doing our best to help here as uh, as free as we possibly can. So if you do fill out the survey, just thank, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart because my worst fears is that I end up publishing a bunch of free content that really just doesn't help anybody and like that's just worse than a waste of time. So uh, let's team up together and make this as great as it can possibly be. If you want more tips for optimizing your performance on the GMAT and optimizing your studies, just head to our website, thegmatstrategy.com or click the link in the description of this podcast and watch our free video on how to achieve your dream GMAT score in half the normal time and with half the normal effort. Uh, It's not no time and no effort, just way less time and way effort, just to be clear. If we could do no time, no effort, then uh, man, we would charge some serious prices for that. Um, Please subscribe and stay positive and stay consistent with your studies. And we will talk to you all very soon.